0: Welcome to episode 182 of A Pint with Shoni B. Coming to you from the middle of March, today happens to be both National Morning Day in Ireland and World Global Happiness Day. Go figure. Uh, it is more of a morning day to me. We've just, myself and the Don's here with me. Hello, the Don. Hello. We've just returned from Mass. Today marks the... First year since my father kicked the bucket last year on the 20th of March. And we had a celebratory mass for him today in my local church in Cabin in (laughs) Dublin. And we were up very early for us on a Sunday morning to go and uh, do mass. And I was also done at a confirmation. I was
1: only thinking that because I was sitting there going, Jesus, whose idea was it to put on mass? A 10 o'clock mass. I didn't think at age 32 here I'd be. I didn't bother enrolling the kids in any of that shit and here I am getting 10 o'clock mass. And then I realized, Jesus, you're a fierce religious lately because you were at a mass. I couldn't make a it. A week ago. So yeah, I your niece one. when I, I wasn't around. I couldn't make it. But you had to go to that. So that's two masses in a week or so.
0: Those of you that are religious, of course, know what confirmation is. Those of you that aren't religious or are perhaps of a different faith. Well done you, especially the ones who have no religion. But confirmation is one of the third kind of brainwashing sacraments of being a Christian, Catholic, you have baptism, which is when you're born, the stain of original sin, which you carry into the world as a small child, full of evil
2: and nastiness.
0: Mm. That's washed away when a priest sticks your head underwater and blesses you. Then when you're, um, when you're about six or seven or eight now and really nasty, you're at the really nasty stage where you're killing people and breaking the Ten Commandments. The Catholic faith has confession where as a small child you get uh, to walk into a mature man uh, wearing a dress and uh, tell him all your sins uh, face to face and he kind of basically gives you sort of penance to do and uh, you must go out and feverishly pray and apologize for all your horrible sins that you committed as a seven-year-old and then a few weeks after that because that's called confession that's to um, prepare you for communion which is the next stage of the brainwashing which is when you're about seven or eight and you actually are allowed to eat the body of Christ, which, of course, in Catholicism, uh, transfigures during the uh, Holy Mass, which we went to today. So for the millionth time, or watching a bit of cannibalism going on, uh, some bread. And by the way, this is not like a metaphor. It's not like, oh, no, it's a metaphor. He broke the bread and the wine. It's a metaphor for it. No, it's actually it's his real blood and real Body. Well,
1: I've had this out quite a few times and my daughter had as well because she was the only heathen not making her communion at the time and, there, and she was like, it, it's fucking weird. You think I'm weird for not but believe-? That's fucking weird. You do your thing, I'll do mine. Because mm-hmm. somebody was being snarky with her. She'd mind her own business other than that but when they were kind of set telling her she was being fucking weird she's like, well I'm not the one who thinks I'm eating. Like, No, it's meant to represent that and she goes no, no. Yeah. Do you know what transubstantiation means? That's the difference between being Catholic and Protestant. Yeah. You and are of course literally the problem, yeah, So basically
0: the body of Christ is what you actually eat when you stick the wafer in your gob and if you're allowed some masses to let you have a slug of wine, that's not actually wine, that's the blood of Christ, even though it tasted bit like wine. So anyway... That's- you know the way they
1: have the uh, celiac-friendly, yeah. the gluten-free... But Now, I'm kind of going, how do they hold gluten-free their heads? Gluten-free hosts. If it, hang on, but if, if the Catholicism thing isn't shit, isn't all bollocks, and if transub- transubstantiation is in fact real, well then we're not eating bread, are we? We're eating meat, so why does it have to be gluten-free? Oh. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Well, I mean, I think the veget- i don't know where the vegetarians and vegans stand on cannibalism. Though that hasn't been really explained to me much. So, it could be okay to eat humans, but not animals. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, and then finally, when you hit about twelve, and you're just at that stage where you might be about to shackle f- free of the shackles that your parents have inculcated into you and brainwashed you through your attendance at church over and over again ad nauseum and all these sacraments you get the final sacrament well not the final one because there's also marriage and the afterlife one um as a child which is confirmation where the holy spirit comes on you basically um
1: yeah, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, Fill me. me
0: up. It's all very dodgy. Yeah, actually. all the, <laughs> full of double entendres. But, um, <laughs> but all of ni- the
1: songs actually are <laughs> specifically for confirmation.
0: My niece was uh, having her uh, confirmation and so, psychology if you listen to this and don't like the fact that I'm taking the piss out of your lovely day. But again, all of these are sort of also shakedowns for uncles like me where you have to, must remind me to bring 50 quid for yeah. Uh, today uh you know the kids go around and they wear little dresses and whatever and they get money um from uh, uncles and friends etc but what was interesting about the whole well, that's just a little bit of background for any of you muslims listening in who don't aren't quite or church of england uh, who aren't quite up to speed and all things catholic <coughs> so we were at mass today this morning at 10 o'clock and uh what do we what did we hear
1: uh well, they they opened with a lovely reading from the Book of Exodus, so that was just what you want—real, real warm and fuzzy shit. Now I will say, Father Coyne said a lovely mass. He gives yeah. good mass.
0: So the first reading today was from the Book of Exodus that I said, and it was basically the burning bush story. Okay, so this is basically twenty twenty two, and uh, everyone who's educated understands science. Uh, understands I think deep down in many cases that a lot of this is horseshit so the burning bush is uh, Moses uh, goes up a mountain wanders around a corner and there lo and behold in front of him is a bush that's on fire and the Lord God himself speaks to Moses through the bush telling him
1: I zoned out at that stage to be honest with you telling
0: him that he has to lead his people out of Egypt to the land of milk and honey. And and the and, and, and the, the bush also says, don't come too close, Moses, don't come too close, because obviously you might get burned, I suppose. And Moses t- tootled down and said, right, I just, uh, the Lord spoke to me. How did he speak to you? He spoke to me through a burning bush. The bush went on fire, it didn't really burn, and it talked. So we're talking burning bush. We're okay with that. Mm. And with that, he said, okay, all you Israelis, let's get the, oh, there was no Israel then, all you Jews, <laughs> Jews, Jude, Jude whatever.
1: Chosen we're people. going to
0: leave the Egyptians to it and we're going to cross over and get over to the promised land which is still to this day a precept for argument in favor now, of Israel. Now what bothered and me, right? regime.
1: I'm glad you went we don't there. Like the Muslim I'm team, glad right? you went there because there was an awful lot of shite on about Ukraine from the pulpit today. Yet this is the reading we're getting. <laughs> like I mean, if I were Palestinian, it might go, sorry.
0: Yeah, so we 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 we'll come to the we we'll come to the World War Three. But we don't later. like it
1: when Putin does that.
0: <laughs> yeah, we we'll come to World War Three later. Um, so that was the first reading, second reading. Honestly, I, out. Out. I
1: don't know. It was Something about was the gospel. It was, it was something about repenting? It's all your own fault. yadda yadda. No, no. Yaddy. The gospel.
0: This one was about a fig tree that didn't produce figs oh, in yes, a vineyard, yeah. and. Uh, you know someone went and said look this is a fucking shit fig tree um, and the guy who runs the vineyard goes well you know it might not be he says no this fig tree hasn't grown a fig in six years let's cut it down and the guy went and this is a parable I think told by Jesus and then the guy around the vineyard said well look give him, give it one last shot and I'll dig around it and I'll, and he actually used these words I'll dig around it and put some manure in it hmm. and if it doesn't produce figs next year they'll be grand So we have this Stone Age parable about a fig tree in a vineyard in ancient times, which is, of course, meant to, just in case you hadn't picked up on it, meant to signify the fact that if you aren't that productive in life and don't really do anything, God still loves you and still might shit on you and give you some manure and you might, who knows, become tomorrow's
1: sliced bread.
0: And so the whole problem, the reason we're we're, we're dwelling on this is we were coming back in the car and it's just so rare for us to go to Mass, especially twice in two weeks, and just to see it at this, at this yeah. distance.
1: See, I wasn't listening because I was more taking in the experience because I used to, obviously, go to Mass all the time. So it's a rare occasion when I go to Mass, usually because it's someone's funeral or something. But... Let's, let's take a step back for a second and realise how fucking weird this is. Mm. It's like proper Mooney's shit. Everybody, yeah. everybody's, like if you actually, if you'd never, if you just landed there and you'd never been at church before, seeing all these old people like chanting away weird fucking words, mm. it's odd. And you're standing back going, alas, oh, mm. come on now.
0: And so, you know, it's just, the reason to bring it up is because you don't actually notice it. Like a lot of my friends still go to mass and they still go, oh, who have you, you've no right to question my faith and question my, my belief in God and all this kind of stuff. And I kind of go, yeah, I kind of do, because you're an ed- educated person, and at no point have you bothered your whole to try and examine whether any of this gospel stuff is true. Any of it is actually in any way re- related to uh, what actually went on 2,000 years ago, and 4,000 years ago, if you want to believe the Old Testament, or 5,000 or whatever. We decide God created the earth. And it's all horseshit. But, like, people... I, I get the fact that there's a salve to mm. uh, modern living where we can go and pretend there's a God and going in to say, I uh, you know, if you want to go into work mass and pretend there's a God, it probably doesn't have the same effect as if you go in and say, no, I actually really believe this, you know, so I, I get that. I mean, but it was just, you know, the confirmation, all these girls are walking around the church going, you know. Uh, hallelujah, Mary, whatever, and then all clapping their hands at That's the same Jesus. time, and it was just—it was like the Moonies. It was like a sect, but it's our sect, and and there's nothing wrong with our sect, and the Muslims are the problem, and the Jews are the problem, and the, you know, the Hindus are the problem, but the Christians are the fundamentalist Christians who are the real believers, who they're the ones out of the front line killing the abortionists and all that kind of stuff.
2: It's just a little bit of doesn't it?
0: Anyway, so that, that's a bit of an apology, that, you know, with apologies to my father who'd be turning in his bloody grave listening to this. And so fairness,
1: you said it to his face. So
0: look, he didn't know, my, he didn't know my, my, my father believed in the Pascal's wager, hmm. which that. is priceless as well. Especially I mean, as my father was a very educated man as himself. Yeah. You know what that is?
1: Yeah, that's like, you know, either way. If I'm wrong, fuck it. If I'm right, I'll be glad I went along with it. Yeah,
0: so Dow used to say that, well, you know, if I die and there is no God, well, what have I lost? And if I die and there is a God, well, I'll have been an obedient servant in his servitude and slavery. Yeah, but that kind I... of... That's... you reckon God knows that you've actually been hoodwinking him?
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that whole kind of thing goes with the Gayburn thing. Do you remember Gayburn used to do the meaning of life? Remember he had Stephen Fry on? Yeah. And you know, <laughs> Stephen well, Fry... It's, worth,
0: it's probably worth uh, reading it out. You, you, you have it there. You should read it.
1: Yeah. So it, it was. I think it was 2015, and Gabe Burton was interviewing Stephen Fry. And uh, so he always asks the question of, "You're outside the Pearly Gates. What would you say if it's all true? All that kind of thing." So in Stephen Fry's imaginary conversation with God, he went on around. He said he would tell him, How dare you create a world in which there is so much misery that is not our fault? It's not right. It's utterly, utterly evil. Why should I respect a capricious, mean-minded, stupid God who creates a world which is so full of injustice and pain? (laughs) Pressed by Burnover, how he would react if he was locked outside the pearly gates, Fry says, I would say... Bone cancer in children? What's that about? Because the God who created this universe, if it was created by a God, is quite clearly a maniac. Utter maniac. Totally selfish. We have to spend our life on our knees thanking him? What kind of God would do that? (laughs) Yes, the world is very splendid, but it also has in it insects whose life cycle is to burrow into the eyes of children and make them blind. They eat outwards from the eyes. Why? Why did you do that to us? You could have easily made a creation in which that didn't exist. It is simply not acceptable. It's perfectly apparent that he is monstrous, utterly monstrous and deserves no respect whatsoever. The moment you banish him, life becomes simpler, purer, cleaner, more worth living in my opinion. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that got Stephen Fry into trouble for ink, archaic blasphemy laws. Yeah, that are the that are the are the um, the envy of Pakistan and like, Bangladesh, but which have since been changed. But he got into a lot of trouble for that. Richard Dawkins had a great letter, which I think we read out in the podcast before. But like, the point is with people, they go, "Oh yeah, okay, so what? So yeah, people die and children die and whatever." But like, it's about faith. Yeah, and I kind of go, "No, it's not about fucking faith. It's not about that at all. It's about." proof and 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 the, you're it's it's no different to Santa Claus this
1: But I remember constantly having these arguments as a child because it was so forced down my throat and like, I was a very well-behaved child, but I was also, I took it very seriously. It really mattered to me to be a good yeah. person. So when I was very small, I was incredibly pious, but then I was having these religious problems and it would come up in conversation. My dad was like pushing religion and that's just the way it is. And mm. well, I don't think the same as, and sometimes I have an issue with the church, but religion is important, faith is important, but I would be not trolling them. I used to be quite troubled at three, four five, yeah. but with like, I, I have to be getting this wrong. Like what's, and probably because I was an autistic child as well. It's very like things mm. are black and white and what's right and what's wrong. And I remember constantly asking the awkward questions. I kind of go, so, but if the point... But like, if, if I'm, if I were born somewhere else and I wasn't raised Catholic, I, I wouldn't know any better. So you're telling me that God's not going to let me into heaven for that? Like that what, so why do I deserve to get into heaven? But some girl the other side of the world doesn't. And she's more likely to die sooner because I happen to be lucky to be born in Ireland. And he's like, Oh, well, it won't work for that. And I was like, Well, what's the point of baptism then? <laughs> and I was like, Well, no, hang on. Know. But you said that we have to do it because this. So what's the point then? And then I was kind of going, Okay, but even if I was raised Catholic and I am totally wrong and I die and God's there and I go, Oh my God, I'm really sorry. I should have said my prayers. I'm sorry about that. But if he knows that I just genuinely thought it was bullshit, but I worked really hard to be a nice person and I gave to charity and I was always kind and I I didn't steal and I didn't cheat people. Like, is he really going to not forgive me if I'm like 80 and I get to heaven? And he's like, well, sorry, you didn't go to mass. I'm going, my my mistake may culpa, but but I did live a good life. But somebody else who went to mass and was an asshole and, and cheated people and hurt people, they're getting in. And I just, I just couldn't grasp this. And he's like, no, you're not, you're not getting it. And I was like, well, what am I not getting? And it would always end like we'd go round and round, yeah. and it would always end in, you're just not old enough to understand. It's patronizing hypocrisy, and I might like, hypocr- "But you can't explain it to me. It's patronizing
0: hypocrisy, and it's also brainwashing of children at a time when we have science. I can understand the juju when we're in the Stone Age and wearing sandals and long frocks and beards, and we don't wash. We have disease killing us left, right and centre and plagues and pestilence. OK, we can believe in gods. You know, people in ancient Rome believed in gods because they thought thunder and lightning was whatever in the sky. But we're fucking grown up now. And this idea that we inculcate our children into this in, in, such, a, in such a sinister, actually, it's a sinister way. Is, is, but or, like it's
1: it's horrible because look we all know it's bullshit, right? But you're sitting there listening to it. Going, this isn't nice. Th- yeah. These aren't nice stories. Like if Disney came out with a new Pixar movie and that was the story, you'd be a bit like, really for the kids? I don't know. Like, yeah. It's horrible. We're not allowed to say boo to them anymore. Like the I I'm constantly a bad mother because I don't treat my children like they're fucking toddlers and I speak to them like they're people. But I'm not there teaching them about crucifixion. Mm. But like when I, when I tell them the truth about other difficult things in life that everyone else, oh, no, 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 let's wrap them up in cotton wool. We couldn't possibly tell them anything uncomfortable. And, you know, it's my job to tell them the truth, but make it okay because I'm their mammy. And like, you know, mm. I'm, not, I'm not saying I, I terrorize them, but like, I'm not the one who's telling them they're going to hell. I'm not the one who's fucking yeah. teaching them about crucifixion. And a lot of the, even if you look at the parables, I kind of look at them and I go I find them quite flawed. They don't really go with my it's not a nice story. Even the nice bits, even the like touchy feely huggy isn't Jesus lovely bits. I kind of go actually not a great character.
0: But at some point they end up you know they tell the kids oh yeah Santa Claus doesn't exist and the Easter bunny doesn't mm. exist but this does exist. This is actually true. And you know it's just I just find it we are we are I mean, the, the COVID thing as well. We're so stupid. I mean, we really are so stupid that we can all sit there chanting. And like people will give out to me for this. They go, oh, you're so disrespectful to my religion and to our faith and to our belief in God. But those mm-hmm. people have never really studied. I, mean, I went and did a bit of a deep dive on yeah. Gospels and Marian apparitions and all this kind of stuff. And I've studied it. And it's a kind of nonsense.
1: Uh, on that note, it's interesting you said that because... I pers- here's the thing. I don't believe in going around disrespecting other people. If they have a faith, that's their fucking business. Right? I don't. I don't feel the need to shove it down their throat. Oh, I'm not going to can... give them shit. I'm not going to go into the church and behave badly. You know, stand, and, you know, be respectful. I don't actually have to respect their faith. I have no respect for it. I think it's ridiculous. And that to me, I've been struggling with this aside from the religion thing, although it's quite close to the religion thing. In terms of modern politics and leftist politics, things that I have an issue with is identity politics, and I'm kind of going. At what point did we decide that anybody is entitled to have their identity validated by me? Mm. I'm not going to go around invalidating someone's identity for the sake of manners. Mm. But just to be quite I, I don't have to view you as you view yourself, whether it be that you're dividing yourself by race or by gender. All that, but There's all of this oppression Olympics and identity politics. And I find it really interesting because what the fuck are we doing? First of all, you're not entitled to have people validate your identity and agree with you. You're entitled to have people not shit all over you and give you a hard time. But I don't have to see, it's none of your business how I perceive you. It's, I also, no, I don't have to respect your faith. I, I I ought to be respectful of you and not be rude to you. But I don't actually have to respect your faith. I think it's bullshit. And if we're going to have discussion about it, I'm allowed to say that it's bullshit. Not only because it impacts me, but I I, I don't actually have to respect it. <laughs> I can think it's ridiculous. Just like I can think any other aspect of your identity is ridiculous. So long as I'm, as I'm not following you around, giving you a shit time in your life. I'm, I'm leaving okay. you alone. But I don't have to respect it. Where do we get this notion that I have to fucking respect it?
0: Yeah, we have this thing where we've, I know we've bagged on religion an awful lot on this podcast, but years are going by and sliding by and the climate change and everything. And there's just this kind of, oh, God will work everything out for us and God is kind and God is good and God is loving and God is merciful. I mean, like, you know, it's—it's it's, you're almost like a conspiracy theorist for questioning religion. You know, I mean, it's like the religious people. Oh, look at all the conspiracy, Sean Boyle, and the Don, saying that God doesn't exist, and that that you know it's all a conspiracy. And but
1: yeah, oh, you know what yeah. people are really thinking, Sean? Let's be honest. What they're really thinking is, of course, it's bullshit. But can you shut up because you're making it uncomfortable? Because we've been using religion to access privilege that we don't want to have to pay for. And what I mean by that is the education system in Ireland is still choked by religion, which means that my children have to have indoctrination going on around, around them. But also, um, to be quite fucking honest, a really big reason why a lot of people still put their kids through the sacraments is because they want to go to a posh school. And the reason they want to go to a posh school is that at the end of the education cycle, when we decide whose kids are going to go on and get to do a degree and whose kids are going to be serving chips, they're in a competition, a blind competition with my children. So they want a head start. And part of that head start is most of these posh schools are deeply religious. So we're going to make sure that we get the communion, and the confirmation, because I want to make sure I can get my kid into a school that will guarantee that they beat your child. Mm. Yeah, so no, my, that's why. My, Very Christian of them.
0: My family has t- tuts me when, I qu- when they hear this sort of shit. But they're so, I mean, the whole point is, you know, they spend a lot of the, I think it's the New Testament, uh, or maybe it's the Old Testament, giving out about hypocrites like there were, there were actually people called hypocrites, yeah. um, like the Phoenicians and the Galileans who we had today. They were slaughtered somewhere in Mass today as well. But the, hypocr- the hypocrisy of the church knows no bound. I mean, it. We have a, a, a good time to segue into World War Three. So since we were last with you, World War Three broke out, as you all know, and we were. I, I think we were just sitting there going, "What the fuck do we have to say about this?" So we're a bit late back to the podcast. With yeah. We were going to do a Paddy's Day, which was two days ago, but that didn't feel right. And it's just been sitting there. I've been just like dumbfounded, staring at the, the way this could even happen.
1: I mean, yeah. And, and I'm also kind of like I was kind of glued to it the first few days. And like most people kind of just moving off it now. And part of that is it just feels really hypocritical. And once, whenever you say this, you get accused of whataboutery. And I'm like, no, I can, I can, I can hold two beliefs at once. I can feel really sorry for the people of Ukraine. I can make it, my heart can go out to them whilst also recognizing it is absolutely like, I'm delighted that we're welcoming Ukrainians into Ireland and we're making sure that they can work and they've got certain rights while they're here. And hopefully they won't be here too long because they can go home. But like, we're treating them well and I'm delighted and I do not begrudge them that. I don't wish they were treated as badly as the other people that we've welcomed in. But we now have a two tier system. We have we have direct provision for brown people and for white European people. Ukraine isn't in the EU, but they're yeah. allowed to work. They're allowed to access social welfare. You know, dignity yeah. while they're here. But what about what about the Syrians? Yeah, like it's it's disgusting. And I'm like, mm. is nobody else mortified? Mm. It's not that I begrudge the Ukrainians that, but at this, can like it's. I just kind of I can't grasp it. It's like if I if one of my kids had a birthday party. Right, and there's and there's kids from all different backgrounds in their school. And imagine if my kid had a birthday party, and I'm I always do like really cool party bags at the end. But there's like a bucket of shit ones, and there's a bucket of good ones. And I go, oh, hang on, hang on, there's the black child. To to the, all the black kids get the shit one. That like um, would you not be mortified? That's what we're doing. So it's not that I don't care what's happening in Ukraine, but I'm I'm just sickened by how pe- a lot of people and as soon as you say this doesn't mean it's a about it's not it's like have you no fucking shame you don't give so, a shit until they're white and it's on your doorstep yeah I think
0: that's fair enough and I also want to say this and first of all I want to say that I abhor what's going on in Ukraine I think Putin is an arsehole and he's, he's show, I always thought he was more intelligent than this because this is, this is showing the signs of stupidity what he's doing because he hasn't a chance of taking over Ukraine he hasn't a chance we, and we're good examples of that in this country especially up in the north But the most racist people in Europe are Ukrainian, Polish, Hungarian, Russian, Belarusian. And I know I'm generalizing here, but behind that Iron Curtain that was is the most Mm. anti-black, anti-Islam, anti-anything that you're likely to find anywhere in the Western world. And I know this. I mean, I remember even working back in the day on Gillette. I may have brought this up in the podcast before. Yeah. And I'd have these phone calls with 20 people from Eastern Europe, like Moscow's dialing in, Budapest is dialing in, Greece, weirdly, used to be on the same call. And we, we in Gillette, they used to hire people like Tiger Woods, Thierry Henry, and all these other sports stars. And I'd be, at, I'd be in charge of strategy. The, the lead guy in P&G management in in Moscow would go um, please make sure you don't use any black people in the advertising because black people don't work here you know when when the Brit- and that's a true story and you're sitting there on the other end of the phone going what the fuck do I say to this and then someone will say well you know it's not is it P&G's role to actually um break barriers down on race or are these guys just trying to sell more razor blades and should they then be right in saying that you can't use black people in ads for russian so Thierry Henry couldn't work in Russia, Tiger Woods couldn't work in Russia, to which I call bullshit. And to be fair, there are plenty of people I know in Hungary and um, some of these countries who are grand, right? They're not racist. Um, I love Thierry Henry and probably love Tiger Woods, but your country stinks to high heaven. All of these countries, Hungarians, when the British and Irish went, wouldn't take the knee, or hurling abuse at England's players, black players and our black players and so here you are, you're now the refugees, you're now the blacks of Europe, you know, and you expect to be given a pretty good treatment. And you are given it, which is also deeply disturbing.
1: Well, I, on that front, I mean, like, I, I, as you're saying it, I'm uncomfortable because I agree with you. And I'm conscious, like, tomorrow, there's going to be a handful of Ukrainian kids coming into my daughter's class because she's in the smallest class in the school. So they, mm-hmm. they were told on um, Monday, they have a few, and maybe maybe his class as well. Um, and you're just thinking these are kids and they're coming from an op- but I'm sitting back waiting to see, because I know it's going to happen. There have been three incidents in the past couple of months that have been brought to my attention by both of my children where something overtly racist happened. Now, I'm sure there is other racism going on that's just going over their heads, but three incidents where it was quite overtly racism. And I'm not being funny, but on each occasion, it was three different people who made racist comments uh, or who picked on somebody of colour. And all three of those people were the children of Eastern Europeans. Mm haven't ever heard, and I'm sure it's Irish kids as well, but that's the reality. There is, it is, that that's there.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you can just look to football and I know, I know football and I also know what I've experienced when I've been there. That the there is, a, and Russia is extremely racist against black people. I mean, even when black people were trying to get out of the colleges and, in Ukraine in the early part of the war they were having difficulty. But so yeah, you again, there. I'm not saying we, we shouldn't be ha- housing uh, Ukrainians, I'm not saying we sh- we're, we're not doing a great job. I'm also intrigued to see how the amount of houses in Dublin particularly, in the more affluent areas which have got seven and eight bedrooms and a couple of old folks rattling around in it uh, are going to uh, put their shoulder to the wheel to house mm. Ukrainian families in their granny flats and their Outside well, dormant bungalows that they've they, they have on, on, on Airbnb.
1: I noticed a interest that uh, Father Quinas this morning mentioned was the two families that are taking in yeah. and I thought that's dreadful. You mean in the entire parish? A parish yeah. that unusually has massive fuck off houses? <laughs> Only two.
0: Well, let's just be clear, it was the two that the church knows about, so um, there were also about 20 people at Sunday Mass at 10 o'clock. And when I was growing up, those Masses were clogged from 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and 4.30 in the afternoon.
1: Mm. Before, so. Well, my, I remember saying to you earlier on this morning, what I'm dying to see is I want to know if any of the private schools are going to offer place to Ukrainian yeah. children, because the private schools are all fucking religious orders. And if they're not going to bring them in, obviously they're not going to be in a position to pay for tuition, but mm-hmm. if there's no Ukrainian kids in the... But if they do bring a few of them in, well, then the class numbers go up and you know they're making money off small class sizes. But it is absolutely outrageous. If they mm-hmm. have the neck to not offer places to some Ukrainian kids, yeah, for, obviously, obviously free of charge, but, in, uh, I mean, in I paying schools, well, I think the that point, just fucking reeks. The that point just says it all. The
0: point we're making is everywhere you look, there's a stink of hypocrisy about whatever. I mean, Islamic refugees have been piling into Europe for the last decade, many out of Syria, many out of Iraq, many out of Afghanistan. And we're kind of like, yeah, we'll house you in sort of substandard conditions and it's going to take years and we're going to maybe accuse you of being a um, terrorist that we're importing. And yeah, I mean, most of them are women and children too. you but- know what
1: I have, what, what pisses me off as well is I'm kind of sick of seeing everybody, every, particularly on Facebook, certain people that I'm sitting there going you got the Ukrainian flag. You're sharing a fucking poem every two minutes about how That's awful it is. <laughs> yeah, about how awful it is. But did you not just go into Avoca and buy stuff in Avoca? Avoca being the nice posh people shop where, uh, you know, it's owned by Moore, who run the direct provision centers. Mm. Yeah,
0: well, no one knows that. So. They,
1: do, oh, they do. Oh, they do. They won't give that up, though. Piss off.
0: So the problem is when you... And by the way, we can equally go heavy hobnail boots as we have done before on Islam and Muhammad and all that. and You can come and kill us if you want. The point is, we have to move on from religion. We have to move on to something. I don't know what it is. I'm not the fucking Messiah who's going to change that. We, need to have a, we do need to have a set of rules to live by and Catholicism claiming they came up with them is utterly egregious because uh, they've been around since we first started huddling in caves together um and so we need to come up with something that's more modern we need to come up with something that's more humane and something that doesn't see color and something that is fair and you know it's not communism or maybe hardcore socialism it's certainly not capitalism we need newism as well and the longer we kind of keep tiptoeing around and hemming and apologizing for who we've said boo to i mean here's a great piece I found this piece and I, you've been looking for, remember we went to see, um, Doug Stanhope in London and he yeah. did this crazy bit about the Indians. Oh, yeah. Okay, so there's a, like, massive fucking trigger warning here, everybody. Okay, we're gonna play a bit of Doug Stanhope, who's one of our favorite comedians. This is a recording of a show from a couple of years ago. Uh, Doug Stanhope is one of our favorite comedians because he speaks a lot of truth to power and he, he walks tight ropes of, death and usually lands on the right well, side he's, of them.
1: he's the most subversive comic I've ever heard. He's like deeply intelligent. So to be honest, I mean, it's fair that people are allowed to disagree with me and think they don't like his stuff, but I would say 80% of people who would be horrified by him are just too stupid to understand. Yeah. He's, he's deeply subversive. He always actually comes out on the right side. He's, <laughs> he's, never, he's always punching upwards, actually, but he, he, he makes his subversive point by saying something outrageous and horrible. But a lot of people are not bright enough to grasp that. This
0: this piece is distant from Ukraine racism. And this is distant from our racism that probably people are switching off for. But I lived in India for a bit. And when I was in India, they do have a gang rape problem. If you're an Indian girl going home on a bus late at night, or if you're walking through a dark neighborhood, there is a problem with men raping women and not just uh, solo. And this was Doug Stanhope's response. And again, triggering and triggering, especially if you're Indian. You know what, if you're Indian, listen to this and let's have the discussion after you've heard.
3: Because that's how they do in the India. That's a thing. It's what they have to deal with. Indian men gang rape. It's sad and it's savage. Because Indian men are not strong enough to rape by themselves. It's, it's physiology or sociology, it's, it's fucking science. You get your GED and come debate me, but it's, it's true. Indian men don't have the upper body strength to pin and submit. Did you ever see an Indian dude in the UFC? No, you never will unless he's a ring girl. That's why they created their god, Vishnu, with so many arms to represent what it would take for even their god to be able to take a lady down alone. I don't, don't take this the wrong way. I'm saying Indian men, are basically the women of men in that they like if there were no women indian men would be the ones that you'd want to make the love at be- hopefully like on a good day yeah sometimes you're going to get drunk and slum it with a hipster but you're going to be imagining him as an indian man underneath you because because Indian men are the most beautiful, polite, accommodating, docile, supple of men. They have that sick silky, thick, black hair, just dense everywhere. Their whole head, their whole one eyebrow, their back, soles of their feet, legend has it hair as thick as their head like a slipper on the bottom of their feet (laughs) skating on sunshine Indian men are the most attractive of men not to women hence the rape problem (laughs) with their gang raping but but I am a I'm a dreamer I'm an idealist I I like to believe in a world where everyone lives on a level playing field, where everybody's equal, where an Indian man could at least believe in himself enough and have the courage to at least try to rape solo. (laughs) He couldn't do it. Like, don't panic. Indian guy tried to rape you all by himself in a dark parking lot. You would just laugh like you're laughing now and put your hand on his forehead, like when your four year old nephew tries to swing punches at you, and you just hold him out of arm's reach till he tuckers himself out. It gets all tired, and then you laugh, and you go back to Easter dinner, and everyone has a fine time. But at least that guy had enough self-esteem to make the attempt. A community lifted him up enough to have this self-confidence to try, because nobody ever wants to die thinking, what if?
2: Like,
3: at least he put it out there. And I'll be honest, I don't know if this bit has a point. (laughs) But if there is a point, it's this. Is it wrong to use racism to try to stop gang rape? (laughs) And that's a question for you to answer individually. Don't shoot the messenger. I put that on you, and you have to make the decision which is right and which is wrong, and either answer you come up with, you're a fucking asshole. (laughs) You're either a, a vulgar racist, or you're a gang rape apologist. Either way, you sicken me. can't believe I performed for
1: you people, <laughs> So basically, who, who are we still to get to? We haven't insulted the seppos yet, <laughs> but the <laughs> week that's in it, we absolutely should. Paddy's day. We haven't insulted the seppos yet this time or the tans. Oh, 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 I wanted to have a go at the tans. No, like,
0: what's your view on that?
1: <laughs> I think as uh, Stanhope stuff goes, that one is one of his particularly <laughs> ones. But I I, I do think, I, I think it's subversion. It's meant to be like. You to
0: support? When I, I know I know my Indian... I've got a lot of friends in India and i live, I lived and worked there. And I get... like. Imagine if that was Irish right? yeah. and it was about we did have, you know, a, a rape issue in Ireland and we were known as being rape, rape... a little bit more rapey than, say, Britain or whatever. Hmm. Uh, and we were known as being drunk and rapists, okay? And some comedian did a bit about us, right? And, you mm. know, they do it about us mm. drinking and fighting anyway. Would well, we be offended?
1: Okay, so I find it interesting because, yes, it's dreadful, but I remember... Uh, a particular special interest of mine a year or two ago was looking at how leftist ideology is that you know there's an awful lot of we let's not let's not ever crit- criticize Islam, and I'm I I don't like racism I don't like I don't like when little girls in my son's class are treated like shit because they're wearing a hijab wasn't their fucking choice was it so I I don't like that however I do find that when we discuss issues about child marriage and. Feminism and girls issues uh, tend to get glossed over because we don't want to encourage the bigots and the Islamophobes. And I'm kind of going, well, that's deeply racist because if we were talking about a little blonde girl getting married off at 13, if we were talking about FGM being part of their culture, if they were blonde, we Mm. wouldn't stand for it. So it's actually... Be, in, in an effort to not be a bigot and Islamophobe, we're being deeply racist because we're so, we're so, we're so unwilling. If you're, if you're quite lefty, I found that there was such an unwillingness to criticize, to stay in your own lane, to, so we, not, we won't criticize a different culture so that we don't look like one of the bad guys, su- such that we totally abandon little girls. Mm. And that was outrageous. And so when, I listen to that piece, which is a particularly bowled piece by Doug. That's what it reminds me of. And the fact that it has that, I know he's doing it for divlement, but it actually brings you to that thought experiment sort of. So which is it? Are you a rape apologist or are you a filthy filthy racist? So that's what it reminds me of. Most people aren't going to hear that when they listen to it, but I do actually do think it's quite, I, I agree with them because I think it's quite interesting to bring about those thought experiments. I think that's the kind of, crack and that's the kind of comedy if you're listening to it that will make you think twice and go well hang on am I going to be so busy being afraid that I'll be seen as a bigot that I completely Mm. uh, completely abandon little brown girls and don't give a shit about them because I don't want to look racist we're not going to we're not we're just going to brush it under the carpet we're not going to mention anything so that we can appear really woke and nice
0: yeah and as I say it's comedy it's someone taking the piss out of Indians okay and not all Indians. And I mean, I, I, so I, 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 I was thinking about it as well with my Indian friends. They would have been the ad guys who I worked with. And they would, most of them would laugh at that, okay? And not get all into high dudgeon or, you know, put, impose a fatwa on them. Put it this way, if it was done to Muslims, he'd have mm. a fatwa on them, yeah. right? And he also did something really dodgy in Thailand about the king of Thailand and he had to run out of Thailand before they lynched him. So there are all these c- c- customs and mores and ability mm. to defend your country, from people like that. But that's, to me, Chappelle-esque. That's, to me, someone who's actually saying, isn't this all very absurd yeah. and stupid and hypocritical? And why can't we see that and yeah. see how stupid it but is? But I
1: do genuinely think it's really important to address the fact that, like, his development of kind of saying, either way, you're still a cunt. And I'm like, it's, 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 it's almost like a game yeah. of would you rather, and you I'm know? And I'm ashamed of you. And I'm ashamed especially. of you, which is hilarious. But I think that's really important because I th- I, I can see... In a lot of the issues that I, that I'm interested in, I, I see people so busy not wanting to be seen as a bigot or the bad guy that they're actually failing in integrity. And you're going, that's, again, there's the hypocrisy. I think it's really important and comedy is there. I, I, I love comedy, but comedy is important. Comedy yeah. has always been important. Comedy has a, a much greater power to turn hearts and minds mm. than preachy shit. It really does. Yeah. It's amazing how you can, get people, you can get people to come around if you can get a laugh at them. Yeah. And nobody, no, you, nobody wants to be that fucking arsehole that everyone's just sneering at. So it's very, you can do a lot of good with comedy. And I think, it's, I think it's important to address this thing of when we're so, so busy tiptoeing because we don't want to look like one thing, are we ignoring something else?
0: There's a link to that uh, Doug Stanhope show in, in its entirety uh, in the blurb of the podcast. And it's probably important to watch it in context. Doug Sanna puts an awful lot of his stuff up on YouTube. And uh, there's also a link to his merchandise page. He's got books and DVDs and well worth, well worth buying some of his stuff. And speaking of comedians, Zelensky is coming out all guns blazing. And you have to look at the Ukrainian people and go how brave they are. You know, and how uh, we, we talked a bit about it here in Ireland. We've got like four helicopters and a rusty <clears throat> battleship that's about to sink, as a standing army. So if if Britain reinvaded us or Russia, who were sniffing around our coastline before all this happened, if you remember from the last episode, um, you know if if they invaded, I was saying to, we were having this chat the other day, and I was saying if it ca- if they came in, we'd have to just let them. Mm. Um, because you don't, if you start being, being bravado and starting to fight them with Molotov cocktail Molotov cocktails.
1: They're just pipe bombs. I mean yeah. like it, it's amazing how Sinn Fein, do you want to have your go now? You can have your go. This is probably more your end. But
0: the history of them is from the Finns. They when, yeah. when the Russians yeah. were dicking around Finland, Molotov was the actual uh, not like Filotov who's our guy Philotovish. <laughs> uh Molotov was the was the Russian yeah. foreign minister and they called them the Molotov cocktails. But yeah, we'd have to let them in and then we'd fight, I guess we'd all enlist and we'd fight a guerrilla war. Uh, would we? Them. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we, well, we might try and fight them to try and look tough and we'd end up losing 60% of our men, mainly men. Oh, we got a letter actually from the last show about not all men where the Donna few want to go back and listen to it, sort of took a hatchet to
1: oh, who did I upset? our
0: manhood. Um, no, I thought it was great I, and it got an awful lot of um, traction. You know, listen to more, much more than a usual episode. Um, we did get a, a bit of snotty, uh, a snotty email from Australia on on it on on it when the war broke out. The uh, email goes as follows: What's the Don's thoughts on eighteen to sixty men being mandated to stay and fight on the front line in the Ukraine for combat work that women are equally capable of doing? I know Ukraine is probably old world, but I'm not being silly. This is pointy edge stuff here, where shit gets real. That was from a male in Sydney. Oh, do you, you think? Imagine. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I'm kind of like it's 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 not groundbreaking. We've had many of these, and um, like I could, I could there, there are a million TikTok videos of people thinking they're doing a thing by making that point. What what I find uncomfortable there is, are we actually using the tragedy of people's lives being destroyed in Ukraine as a, ha, ha, look at you talking about not wanting women to get raped and how an awful lot of men are behaving like that. Well, I'll I'll see you, that and raise you. We're the ones who have to go to war. Really? Does it bother you that much that I have an issue with the fact that women are frequently sexually assaulted? And I'd rather if men would have a chat with their friends because we do have an issue there. Especially we can, during war. We can kind of care about two things at once. Also, wars are always carried out in women's bodies. If you don't think that rape is one of the biggest weapons of war, That's gonna be another thing. So I kinda find it tacky, but however, we're here, let's have the conversation. I don't think anyone should have to stay to fight a war. I do think if you're gonna have some people stay, it stands to reason that, you know, what mothers and children, particularly if you're breastfeeding, unless you wanna pop a tit out and feed the child, there's a reason that the mammies are being let go. I would also question which might be a very unfeminist take, but here we go. Are women generally as capable of combat? I, I guns are very heavy. Be, gun, guns are very heavy. Now, I will say, women were very useful in the 1916 Rising and the reason for that is because Cum had taught uh, a lot of first aid courses and things. So what they all did, why we did so well, considering we had fuck all weaponry and we'd fuck all people, was they always put men and women together and men held the bulk, the bulk of the weight of the guns and the women were much better snipers. But they did so because men were able to help. So I would argue the point of, certainly, I'm not going to be better in combat I wouldn't pull that would out of com- I would have it
0: This is terribly unfeminine, but I would have a combat unit of women like the SAS that would just would just entrap men because men are so stupid and fall for good. Well, they good. have been
1: doing that. Their the women have been on Tinder.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. I know. Yeah. It's, but like that, and then they just you know have a a hairpin into the back of the neck, and they just lie down. They'd be just a really cool Lucy Liu type. Yeah. bunch of a bunch of uh, black widows who would just go out and kill. You
1: know? Yeah, but listen, I don't personally think anyone should be asked to to stay and fight if they don't want to but I'd I'd hazard a guess it was a man that made that decision not a woman just like it's always a man who starts the war however I am also a mother of a son and would I fuck send my child to war because some fucking dickheads with money want to have a fucking have a go with the tanks, but it's never them that are going to fucking fight the war for nothing. If the Tans invaded tomorrow and want to take over Ireland, I'd be like, "Grant Union Jack down the side of the house, fucking fine." But if you think I'm sending my fucking son to fight some war for a, for what country? For the country that didn't, that's not going to fucking house them because I don't see I don't see a thirty two county socialist republic. I don't even see a twenty six county socialist republic. So considering how little of a shit. The Irish state seems to give about my son. Am I like, fuck sending him to war? Yeah, well, I
0: mean, let's suppose the the good
1: Bar- for anyone who wants to. Good for them. I respect them. I'm not fucking doing it.
0: Let's suppose Boris Johnson, because he's well capable of this, decides that you know the way way to get rid of the problem with Northern Ireland and the, 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 the uh, Northern Ireland agreement from the EU is simply for us to retake uh, Ireland. We've had it for 800 years, and we're going to move our tanks and troops in tomorrow. As you said, we had... And do you know what
1: I'd say? Is my son going on the NHS?
0: Yeah, okay. Because the NHS don't fuck off. But we would have a responsibility as Irish people to our ancestors is to fight against that happening. Now, I would pick up a gun if that happened, but I wouldn't go, let's try and defend them when they're landing. I'd Mm. wait and let them not destroy our cities... And I'd, I'd i'd get guns in from somewhere and get conscript to all the men, and we would have I we were Northern Ireland times ten, and bring it on in guerrilla yeah, warfare. I
1: don't have any responsibility to my ancestors.
0: I know it's an interesting point, but you have responsibility to Ireland to defending your nation. You know that's exactly what the Ukrainians are doing, and they, yeah. they're only recent additions. I respect to the world, what they're you
1: know. doing. Don't get me wrong; I'm not running it down. I think there's a huge amount of bravery, and I respect it. But I'm at the stage now where I'm going. Why would why would I send my son? Or my daughter? Why would I send him? What to? I'd be like if he if, if we were in that position and he was not supposed to leave the country, I'd fucking smuggle him out. No, no fucking. There's no. Okay. There's no pride in it. What? Well, there's no pr- pride in being dead. Mm. Um. Why would I? So he can defend a country that old men are going to run and not share any of the wealth, and he's never going to get on the fucking property ladder. And and, and why? So th- th- like so so we can set fire to the planet, which is burning. Like, what's mm. the fucking carbon oh, footprint of missiles? You're, you're, but like older people you're also who are You're the tyrant. Yeah, but um, there's also there's an element of me kind of going, why the f- what what what's he fighting for? For, really? for if if I'm sending my son to fight, what's he fighting for? Well, for we've a country been that doesn't give us sh- by
0: Britain again. Yeah, and we know how that went. For well, I do think, I, I,
1: think when, well, I, th- I think there comes a point where does anyone
0: fight with pitchforks? Well, I think
1: there comes a point where you know beware of people who have nothing left to lose. And <laughs> there's this like I, I remember when we, the last general election, like this just bafflement of people kind of your age and older. Not you, but a, a lot of people of your station and age just kind of constantly talking in such a way. Like young people, they, they, they don't they don't realize when they're voting for Sinn Féin. Like they, they're too young, they don't have a living memory of the problems. And I'm kind of going, no, you just can't grasp. We don't care if Sinn Féin fucked the country up. What are they going to do? Crash the housing mar- housing market again? Good, because we're fucking locked out. And it's like people above a certain age and a certain demographic couldn't grasp that younger people and people in a lower socioeconomic station it's not that they're too stupid to understand what's likely to happen it's that they have nothing to lose and they're quite okay with fucking up your situation because mm. we're fucked and it's like there's a certain age group that do, that can't grasp when you take everything away from people at a certain point they go fuck it so there's a i, I also kind of wonder how many people in their 20s in ireland would be arsed taking up arms what to defend you rich cunts that don't give a fuck about I our generation you're, you're
0: not defending the rich cunts no, you're defending your nation
1: yeah, you're I, defending
0: the famine people you're defending they're the dead. history they're dead. I know they are but you're not defending rich cunts in this case You're. De- it's not that Ukraine are not defending rich cunts no I cunts, know I right? get that no, you're defending that. Ireland yeah. the country from invasion by the British again yeah right? but you kind of go uh, So how, how well the is the reality? country
1: doing for oh, you oh okay I can,
0: I, can, I can understand why you go fuck Ireland right Yeah. who gives a fuck about Ireland it's a shithole anyway right and the Brits will probably do a better job when they come in because they did the last time right so you can have that argument and go, fuck it, I'm not fighting. I'm not losing my life for this. Yeah. Got it. I'll put a union jack outside my window if it means they're not going to blow me up. And, and I think that's exactly what Putin thought was going to happen in the Ukraine, to yeah. be honest. I thought he, was, he they were going to w- welcome him in with bunting, you know, to say thanks for saving us. And he got that totally fucking wrong. Hmm. Because actually, land, and look at, look at the way Northern Ireland has been. Is a, like Northern Ireland looks slightly funny. To your point, I think, from this distance. But when I was growing up, it was like fucking mm. shootings and bombings and shit like that. And you just go all day, every fucking day, every week. And there's only 3,000 people killed in 25, 6, 30 years, whatever. And there's been that killed in a day, probably, in in, in this war in Ukraine. But, you know,
1: yeah, but like we it's all interesting remember. to
0: think, would you fight? I think I would fight. Because I think that they will be transgressing international law. And if we don't try and fight that, then they, any tyrant can have permission, a bit like what Putin thinks he has, to go back and say, I had it before, I'm going to take it. And if we, if we don't stand up as a world and as a nation, like imagine if the world came to our aid and we go, Oh no, we're not really fighting, we're kind of just not bothered, right? And they were defending us. You know, it would be a bit embarrassing if the people from the country are saying, No, in you come, America, yeah, thanks. Yeah, you got your your young men can die. We're we're grand actually, we don't mind the British, they speak our language. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a there is an international law thing here that needs to be but, it, but yeah I yeah think, but I, I like, also understand your point the thing I think is, it's preposterous there is watch
1: me sacrifice one of my children that I brought into the world because oh international law I don't give a fuck yeah but like, I'm not the, putting but, my but, kid but, in but, a box the, because somebody no, else has pride but
0: but, the, but there's also a a a entitlement there like there's all you you there's there's conscription in countries where the society the nation said we will commit our sons at 16 or Mm. 17 to get two or three years army experience in case there's a war. And we all agree that. Now, there are Muhammad Ali's and everyone like this. This is ridiculous. Mm. Anyone fighting a war is ridiculous. Everyone should put down their guns. In fact, if women probably ran the world, there'd be an awful lot less nuclear warheads. There'd be (laughs) be a lot of bitching going on. A lot of bitching, but less fucking war. So...
1: It is a, more hard I think, I think
0: that's why we've taken so long to do this podcast. And even now, there's so much tension in this podcast because everywhere you look right now, you're seeing fucking hypocrisy yeah. and bullshit. And we couldn't get to this point because you're right. Why should Union or anyone have to go to war to fight? And like in some cases yeah. in, in Ukraine, they're digging trenches like World War One.
1: But I mean, like when you think about it, the reality is people make a lot, an awful lot of money out of war yeah war is just it's going to make like a one shit in $5. someone's going to get really fucking wealthy on my tears and I'm, and I'm sorry the one thing the one thing I hope never ever happens to me is that I have to bury a child yeah. am I fuck doing it to yeah. feed but some war machine I think machine? need to move
0: away from the, economic side the economics of it because the economics of it one in five dollars in the US economy or something is based around the military in some shape or form yeah whether it's food, we had this conversation the last time, but the cost of an actual warhead is billions. Like the the we we're joking about our army, which is literally is only a few helicopters and a few soldiers. We've got nothing. Finland, who's about our size, has got like fucking big fighters and you know a navy because they're butting up against uh, Russia. But where do they get the money to also do good schools and do good colleges and uh, not have waiting lists? In their hospitals and not have a housing crisis where's all the money gone where's all our money gone
1: well you know we don't wait. have to buy an army
0: we don't have to pay or buy a standing army and that takes upwards of three four percent of gdp because
1: the fact that, i mean it, it then it reminds me and it goes to show because the money is there but in a lot of the nordic countries there's there's a view that democratic socialism benefits society and i could be greedy and hoard everything or i could live in a society where generally speaking everybody's doing a bit better people have access to healthcare. people are well educated it's not this constant greedy fucking competition between everybody yeah. it's a it's a it, there's a joint thing of we don't want to live in a shithole mm. we like treating your your country like a tidy town comp like yeah. where we're, we're, we're all in it And fine, it's it's okay to want to achieve things and do well and get an extra few quid for yourself. But it's not the same greedy, greasy fucking attitude that's yeah. here and in a lot of places that filthy fucking me, 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 mine I put money into my children's education not because I want them to be well educated but because I want them to have a leg up on your children. That's the whole fucking thing. And all thing. That's where the, the money hypocrisy
0: goes. of religion yeah. and care and we and use religion to hide behind and. it. Oh we're, we're such a loving, caring But that's nation. why people
1: get pissed off at you when you criticise yeah. religion. It's not because they're deeply religious. It's because the religion thing is just their way of getting into that capitalist greedy shit. Yeah. That's where the money's gone. The money is there. We're just not fucking sharing it so, around.
0: So we've um we will be doing a show in July around my birthday uh from Denmark. We're, we we've done Norway, we've done Iceland, Kishosh, yeah. Kishosh and uh, Denmark I think We're doing Denmark uh, in, in the first week of July. So It came
1: second in the Yeah,
0: happiness. In the
1: happiness. So you haven't thing. got to
0: happiness yet, folks.
1: Ireland <laughs> came 13th this year.
0: So this so this is world you wouldn't think it from the the the, it's sort the of
1: International Day of Happiness.
0: The aggravated nature of our podcast today, because uh, we are we're just goddamn pissed off. About should we always always it next. But today is World Happiness Day. It's the tenth year of its uh, operation, and it was invented or suggested by someone in the UN, I think, about 2012. And it's
1: hilarious that we to, have our Day of Mourning on the <laughs> Happiness Day.
0: And yeah, it's the International National Day of Mourning here, so. Um, what they taketh with one hand, they giveth away with the other. And it is, there's a little chart, if you go on Wikipedia, there's a link at the end of the podcast about stuff. One of the things was to embrace hedonism was one of the suggestions about happiness. But there is this thing about happiness I want to talk about, which is, and you were reading the same article in the Irish Times yesterday, where they asked all these people about what made them happy. Yeah. And when were they most happy? And it's always a kind of, uh, in many of these answers, it was a kind of a, a slightly whimsical, uh, small point but poignant.
1: Yeah, um, I, was, I found it kind of waffly. Yeah, a, I know, but
0: like no, but I, I was thinking about it myself. If you actually say, "When were you most happy?" Uh,
1: mm. You know, I prefer the idea
0: of a condition. So my
1: yeah, my que- I've I've a weird view on this because I spent most of my life deeply depressed. You unhappy. Well, yeah, like I was very, very unhappy. I was at home, I was not working, not seeing anyone. Like, you know, when you fall off the face of the earth and you're literally in one room and left to rot and it's you're- It's like
0: COVID basically.
1: Yeah, except worse because it's your fault and everyone hates you. But like I've had a real fucking delve into like, the, I've had the suicide attempts, the whole. So it's a weird thing for me to look at the concept of happiness. I separate happiness from joy. So, I think sometimes when we ask this question of people, it, well, what exactly are we asking? Are we asking what makes you happy, as in contented, happy in yourself? Are we asking what brings you joy? Because I would see those as two different things. I've only been happy in the past few years, and even it, uh, moments of joy probably only really started coming around the past couple of years. So, like, I genuinely was miserable. Um, I'm not, I'm not fucking Susie Sunshine. But happiness was completely elusive to me. I didn't ever have any happiness up until, like, well into adulthood. So it's kind of a weird thing to kind of think about the concept of happiness. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the interviews was, oh, well, I like feeling the water on my skin. Yeah, I go for a don't, swim don't and all be, that.
0: Don't be nasty to other people. Oh no, not, not that, being
1: yeah. nasty. But I, I kind of, to be honest with you, it was like they were asked a question. I suppose a better, how, how are okay, you supposed well, well, to you, answer this? You would
0: have answered it very differently to them because you felt you've never had happiness. Okay, so that's your answer. But no. it doesn't mean. I Many know, other what people I'm, can't have happiness. No,
1: I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is if they've asked 20-odd people, we yeah. you only giving you space for a couple of... It's one of those questions that you go, well, how am, okay, I, so supposed to, how am I supposed to answer that yeah. question? I don't think it was a particularly deep answer. I don't think okay. they were getting into it. I think it was just fluff filler for the paper.
0: Okay. But the, I mean, even if you read books on happiness or people in books... On, I mean, there is this thing where a lot of it is, you know, I went away on an amazing holiday. I left work. I did something different. I moved jobs. I changed. I did... You know, there's all these things where... I found the dream job of my life and realised I was working in this horrible thing but a lot of it was, was the society bit that where the drudgery of society is broken mm. and a ray of sunshine comes in in some shape or form Yeah, and it's so memorable and people said and I'd always have those memories of my father or my mother or whatever it was and that time we all met up in the garden after COVID and it was great whatever but it's, it's whimsical it's small yeah, but it's a chink of light that brightens up an otherwise dull and maybe in some cases like you very black
1: yeah, environment. I think, but I think joy is a, is a like, so and I know a lot of them kind of talked about going for a swim and all that. It's not my bag, but if you do go for a swim and you get into it, particularly if you're like, cause a lot of people are a bit older, if you're in your fifties or sixties and one, one person had mentioned that they'd taken back up sailing, but didn't give a shite. They looked crap yeah. and they're never going to win any prizes. And I thought that was interesting because there is, we sometimes live so much in our heads and we kind of forget that we're animals and we take ourselves so seriously in society. So, you know, so, If you haven't been swimming and then you haven't done it in years and then suddenly you get into it, you kind of, even if people just did during COVID, you can kind of understand that there's, it's quite a profound experience Mm. to, and most people don't even take baths, they just shower. Yeah, but it's quite a profound thing to actually inhabit your body. And particularly if you do so at an age where you realize I'm never going to be good at this. I'm never going to be, and then there's permission to play. And I think that's something that I found when I did find happiness was permission to play is something like to give yourself. But it's really important because it's just like it's like that's taken off us. And, and after yeah. a certain like people don't do art after a certain age unless they're good at it or yeah. even if they're not amazing, but they have a knack for it. Like, and it's not even that you don't show other people. It's very rare that somebody will play music or do art in their house just to pass a bit of time because they feel foolish doing it unless they're quite good. To me, that's quite important with happiness. Discovering things that are really simple, whether it be swimming, like things like music, art, anything that brings you kind of a visceral moment of joy, mm. and discovering that and giving yourself permission to do it, not just despite being bad at it, but to enjoy it because it's not about performance, it's not about being good at it, and you're not measuring it up afterwards, it's just the sheer pleasure of doing it. Mm. That's quite an important one for happiness.
0: Yeah, I think puerility, you know, as you said, this whole. Everyone's so serious and we're living in an outrage culture. I mean, you know, people say, oh, yeah, well, your podcast is very yeah. outraged. Yeah, we, we are outraged, but we're outraged equally with the people who are causing the most outrage on the left uh, at the moment. Uh, so it's, it's about human beings taking themselves too seriously, not being able to take a joke.
2: Mm. And,
0: and that's always been a problem. And, you know, you can say, even Doug Stanhope says, you know, back in the day, there's always something yeah. at the time that if you say it, it's wrong. Yeah. You know, you can't take make jokes about dead babies. You can't make jokes about AIDS. You can't make jokes about 9-11. So, you know, eventually time passes and you can't make jokes about them as long as they're funny. But, you know, there was a time when we'd be living in an environment in the UK where you, everyone was making jokes about black people. Yeah. And so you have to be careful. But, you know, and, and then who draws the line? Who, it's not, certainly not Sean Boyle and the Don who no. decide no. what the line of comedy is, you know?
1: Yeah, I do think on the happiness thing a lot of people would say if you were allowed to include big events in their lives They'll talk about, like, like if somebody has died or whatever. It's just so, I'm so happy I have these memories. And I, sometimes I wonder if they are, like, did you actually enjoy it at the time? Because we have a tendency to view the world and life as this ongoing film or this ongoing quest the mm. whole time. So it's like we don't tend to enjoy moments while we're in them, but we, we look back at them and it's really important to have photographs and we, it's like, it's like we've banked the wealth of these experiences. And I don't think people are telling lies. I don't think they're really stopping to think, did you actually experience joy at that time? Is it just in theory? Because I could not know how many times that I have a great idea that I'm going to bring the kids to such and such place, and I kind of go, well, "I'm glad I did it," but no, I didn't fucking enjoy it, to be quite honest with you. That's not the kids' fault. Well, yeah sometimes or sometimes it's kind of like oh, I'm glad I did it but like and I look back at photographs on Facebook and go oh what happy memories but it was fucking shite it was shite <laughs> yeah. you know and there, there are those moments and I know even especially when the kids are small and you're kind of going everyone's like oh don't wish the time away and I used to feel like the worst mother in the world because everyone else is remembering every single tooth that came up and when it came up and filing away every memory and I was just kind of having a heart especially when they're babies I'm going this is fucking awful I'm miserable and people say oh don't wish the- why am I like not dead terrified that the children are going to get older and I'm missing it and I kind of then realized after a certain point listen you're not enjoying it it's the baby ears it's not for you doesn't mean you don't love your kid but you might just have to endure it I'd say she'd probably be more crack when she's three and it was true but it was fucking awful at the time and I remember like it's one of the things that I would say anytime I hear of a mother that's having a bit of a tough time I always go listen come here ignore your ma ignore your auntie saying don't wish the time away wish it away it's shit it'll get better you're not enjoying this time we often kind of have this concept of happiness, but we don't actually experience it. And I think the giving yourself permission to play thing, allowing yourself to be childlike yeah. is is really important because the child just kind of gets taken away by seven or eight. We're we're trying to hide it, we it's being pulled away from us. And I think childlike wonder. Yeah. And and that involves things like, do we always have to be productive? No. Who said we always have to be productive? What does it mean to live? There's like the purpose of being productive so as not to fuck your life up, so that you may have comfort, so that you may have, be yeah, with... Money. So you can be without worry. So there's a, there's a reason why sometimes we have to work and make, make sensible choices in order to save ourselves misery. But we, we live with this kind of... A lot of us have this thing where even if we're just I, sh- I should really have done something today go well why is there something that you needed to do no are we wasting time or are we spending time it's okay to spend time just being good to yourself did you enjoy it did you sit and watch Shite on Netflix and have your good pyjamas on that make you happy and you know the candle that you like did you enjoy it well then you didn't fucking waste the time
0: so I, I mean I think we've talked about this about the Covid thing and how brittle everyone seems to be uh, when they have to stay home right and, and, and That that brittleness transmogrifies itself into protest and violence on the streets or mental breakdowns or whatever. But my happiness, I mean, people think, a lot of people think I'm a lot, first of all, I think people think I'm a lot angry than I actually really am. Although I do get angry and I'm not afraid to, to, to vent my anger, especially on the show. But it's all done with a kind of. There's also a, a, a character I build. I mean, I write about this. I mean, I'm not. I'm not like the character I write about in marketing magazines. It's like a fictitious version yeah. of me. Um, and I also am very happy. I mean, I'm a. I'm a guy deep down who you know, if you cut me open, is is quite happy. Has been very lucky and felt that I've been very privileged to get the sort of life I've had, and being able to see the world and see how people can have happiness in abject poverty or can have happiness smiling faces of kids in India and places like this where you just go, you know, you're very lucky that you've been able to not have to live outside, for example, or live by the side of a train track or live in a tent. And so I keep telling myself that when I do get unhappy. And I think the biggest contributor to my happiness is not having had children. And I made a decision very early and I see so many of my friends who will never admit it because they can't. It's Mm. an appalling thing to say. And it is an appalling thing to say. So you actually can't really say that you're unhappy because of your children. But children cause huge amounts of stress, unhappiness. They cause you to keep working up right up till the last day. They're often not grateful for what you've done for them or in in some cases uh, you fall out irreparably. Yeah. And the the actual ability at me at 50-something to be able to just Slightly kick back and not be nose to the grind is, is very beautiful, it's very nice.
1: yeah. And also, I mean, it, it brings it back to you know, you'd want to be a real earth mother to get real pleasure out of kids. And I i, I hate, I, I preface that with mine are actually at a really fun age now, mm. so I'm really enjoying that. And like when I enjoy them, it's like often oh, well, where like I get best of, mate to them, like they're, they're, I'm an they're an bitch. Them so young, yeah. yeah. But I'm a lot stricter in different ways than most of their friends' mothers are. As in, in terms of how they speak to me. Now, I let them swear within the house, but I point out, listen, the simple fact is you can't swear at school, you get in trouble. And I will I will let you hang. I will go, I, I can't believe that. I don't know where he heard that. Clearly in his father's house. It's not it's in this house. Fuck. You wouldn't, what the fuck? But every time they do, I say, well, what the fuck did I tell you about your fucking language? And he thinks it's hilarious and he'll piss himself laughing. Mm. So I'm kind of, but if they, were, if they spoke disrespectfully to me, like I notice, the other mothers just let the kids speak to them like shit and throw the school bags at their feet and that. And I'm very old school in terms of excuse me. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so I expect respect, but like they're not, they they are people. And I get great crack out of them when I see their personalities coming out and I see the bit of fun. And to be honest, neither of them, it's very rare that I get attitude off either of them. Mm. You know, they'll do things wrong, but they they don't. They're they're not rude to me. They're not disrespectful. They're just kids, and they get yeah, giddy they all,
0: You also treat them differently. You also give them a, you treat them with respect, and you expect it back. Which is yeah.
1: But them. then sometimes I don't, and I'll be yeah. really upset with myself. Like I'm mean, just the other day, and I'll apologize and I will go listen. And I'm. I'm she's like, what's wrong? And I was like, I'm just really upset with myself because I was a fucking bitch to you this morning. I was a thundering bitch. And she's like, oh, it's okay. No, you weren't. Right. I was like, no, I was. And like, yeah, you drove me mad, and it really fucking annoys me that you keep doing this thing. But like, that was fucking outrageous. Mm-hmm. That was I was an, I was a thundering bitch, and I've been so upset about it all day
0: the, 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 the issue with happiness though is that it's 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 in the eye of the beholder or the place you know yeah. so in other words within you know a a compound of refugees in lesbos on on greece in greece there's happiness in there yeah okay and there's happiness in prisons and there's happiness in in schools and there's happiness in hospitals and there's happiness on deathbeds. So there's, you know, it's, yeah, it's, like, try, it's a very of, ethereal thing to even think about. Even down. just with the
1: kids thing though, But I, like, I don't think of, you can kind of think of your happiest moments in life. I don't think of when my eldest was handed to me or when her brother was handed to yeah. me. And it's not that I was, I don't think of those things but I think of when he said something really fucking funny at that moment. And we both kind of looked and said, Jesus, that was fucking sure. You know, or when something clicks for them that didn't before and you see an aspect of their personality, it's really, really joyous. And maybe we'd been bitching at each other and sniping. I'd been giving out all morning, but they come in that afternoon and and something nice has happened. Or like, I see that they enjoyed the lunch that I made because I made a real effort to make mm-hmm. it nice. Like, I get real pleasure out of when we have a bit of crack together, but not the days that we arrange. Not that they're not nice, but yeah. if we arrange something special they don't spark joy as such. They're things that you ought to do and yeah, it was nice and we went to such and such a restaurant but the real kind of moments where I get for a few seconds and I kind of go, I, I can't believe I spent so long from birth just being absolutely miserable and I really didn't ever think I'd know what happiness is but the it's it's when... You kind of go, ah, fuck! We'll do the homework later. It's like you know, yeah. but because we're having a really good conversation and they say something funny, that's where the joy comes in.
0: So my my view on what happiness is, having lived fifty four years and travelled the world in search of it, sorry, <laughs> is, only to come
1: home and find you here. Come
0: home and find, it's always at your door, isn't it?
1: Well, I am the goddess it's always, of joy. It's always in
0: the front of your face, staring at you straight in the face. Now, my view on a happiness is, it's actually, and this is why I wanted to, I brought up those. That newspaper article that when people are put on the spot to give the give yourself a number, you know, like ten being very happy and two being very, you know, one, zero being really unhappy, is I think happiness is best described as an absence of shit, an absence of drama, an absence of death, an absence of upset, an absence of tears, crying, um, you know, pressures of meeting bills and stuff like that. The, 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 more, the, the less rocky the sea, mm. the more you'll paddle along in it happily enough. And then occasionally, if you have nice things joy. that you can remember that are joyful, yeah. that's what you're happy that, is. I think that's Whereas what I, I think meant. We think it's more, we have to be achieving something. Yeah. Or the joy is happiness. Like maybe the joy well, isn't happiness.
1: That's what I meant earlier on when I said, I think there's two different questions. Like, a difference mm. between am I happy and having joy? I think joy is an emotion. It's an experience. And yeah. I think joy is something that... I kind of only really started to discover in the past couple of years. So when it happens, I kind of, and I'll get so, I'm never a little bit anything. Like, I remember we were in Singapore and I was, I get a bit overwhelmed after a while. So it's just taking a little bit of time for myself, listen to a bit of music. And it was like one of my favorite music pieces. And then it was raining really heavily and where we were was beautiful. And I'm just bawling my eyes out. I'm just, I was like, I'm just happy. Yeah. But like, it was like moments of joy, yeah. something really pretty. For me, definitely music. The music just gets me. And if I, like I used to come over here on a Thursday afternoon and there's a certain spot I sat in because you'd be finishing up a job and the sun used to come in and I'd do me little meditation shift there and I'd have that orchestral music going and the sun would come in and I'd go, fuck me, that's just brilliant. Mm, yeah. Like that's just, you know those... And, and
0: But also you have to be able to give yourself time to notice that. Yeah, you know, because I was in the other room working and whatever I was doing, you know, I missed it. But you know that you have to, you have to notice yeah. it's there. Go to a, climb the mountain if there's a lovely dawn at the top of the mountain. You know? Yeah,
1: but I think sometimes you also have to. There, there is an element of um, the, the permission to play comes in because often we don't give ourselves space to notice, nor do we give ourselves over completely to actually. Experiencing the joy, we're so busy saying "Isn't that lovely?" Now we're very happy, but we're like intellectualizing it so much that we, we're not willing to yield ourselves to actually experiencing the joy. Which is also why people are having very bad sex or <laughs> not having enough of it, because like you actually have to be willing to yield yourself over to a moment of joy, the childlike wonder thing, and the not worrying about. What anyone else fucking thinks if you look like, or if you if you cry because something's happy, without worrying about that. But more importantly, it's it's the it's the self. It's like when you're completely alone. Sometimes we don't know how to mess with ourselves. Like I've I've taken to I talk to myself a lot more out loud now than I used to. Now the mind you can't seem to be taking over. <laughs> like I'll mess with myself every time you pass a mirror in the house. And I remember I used to get if I was really really unwell. I used to have to cover the mirrors because I got, I'd got i get to the point where my face would start moving in the mirror, like the bone structure. I, it would be so, I'd be so convinced there's something evil going on and that would be a sign I'm not well at all and I'd be like, fuck, I can't pass mirrors for the next few days. But now I have a tendency to, whenever I go to the mirror there, I'll always have a quick chat with myself before I leave the room mm-hmm. and there'll usually be some joke or it'll be the same way I'd, like every couple has their in jokes and we've got the odd time we'll oh, say I a lie, we'll say a one-liner. But I say it to myself all the time. Like I, I'll often shout away to myself or I'll find an old message or I'll find something like a Facebook memories and it, I go, Jesus, they your gas. And like, it actually does bring yeah. a lot of happiness to not take myself seriously, yeah. to be friends with myself, exactly. to be goofy and mess. And I think that's a, it makes it makes life a lot nicer. It makes shitty days. Well, at least you can have a little bit of camaraderie with yourself. But it also means that when opportunities for actual joyous moments come up, you're not taking yourself so fucking seriously because you're just in the habit of chatting away to yourself. Mm. You know, I I think that's really important is learning to actually yield to be able to have joyous moments.
0: And the other thing I would add to it is don't be a cunt. And I think that, that we even brought it up earlier today about, you know, even back home in Ireland, my friends are always trying to get one up on each other. They don't tend to celebrate their successes they want to be richer they want to be ahead they want to be the best guy in the class they want to be and, they, and they're and they prepared to lie and yeah. they live lies they, and you say to them you're living a lie and they go no I'm not I'm a very honest integrity upright guy no everything's a lie you lie about everything you lie about tiny little things mm. was the food nice it was lovely will we go out even though you don't want to, you lie your whole life is a whole lie and you don't even know because you're lying so much and it's not just one guy mm. or a girl it's sort of
1: society. Oh, that like it resonates with me a lot, actually, because there's somebody that was in my life that I remember thinking, and I'm not in a bitter, nasty way, going, he's going to end up a very, very unhappy person because he's doing grand now, but just like life comes and kicks you in the tits. Now, wh- whoever you are, at some point, maybe you have a midlife crisis, someone dies, you know, a divorce, something. You'll be in your 40s, but at some point, life is going to trip him up, and when it does, he's... Probably going to be really lucky and he'll have lots of people that are willing to help him and offer him kindness, but the, the twisted the twisted awful thing is he's not going to be able to recognize kindness. He's not going to be able to trust it because he's never been decent himself. He spent his entire life trying to fuck people over. He There was no pleasure in something unless he kind of pulled a fast one. One of those personalities and I went, oh God, even if you are lucky enough to be surrounded by kindness, you're not going to be able to yield to it. You're not going to be able to accept it because you've never had a pure heart and been kind to others. Mm-hmm. So I think that really is important. I think like in terms of you don't want to be that person that can never accept kindness or trust it when you've always had an agenda it yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's avoiding, that's trying to avoid unhappiness rather than happiness. But when happiness does come, you want to be able to accept it. Like, I know when I was younger, something that I found really difficult was I had been treated really badly. And then I got to a certain age where I kind of developed the Dawn personality and I realized I had this capacity that I could walk into any room and make myself a centre of it. And it seemed to go quite well. And everyone would be a lick arse. And suddenly, from being treated like shit constantly it was yes dear nope dear three bags full dear and isn't she so funny and I found that really disheartening because I went oh my god great now I'm not the dog to be kicked anymore and I can be popular when I want to be but I realized that none of these people are really my friends and if they met me a year ago when I desperately needed kindness and compassion they would have kicked me when I was down so I it was I found that really difficult and it took me about it was funny I was actually talking to my daughter about this the other day I I, th- I said I think it took me a solid 10 years after coming to that realization and ha- finding that really sad that life had gotten much better for me, but it was just so hollow and icky and empty to know it only got better because I was able to fake it and people felt they had to be nice to me. But the people who desperately need kindness are the ones that are going to be kicked. I just, that really broke me and it took me about 10 years to actually come through that and be able to cope with that. I, I can remember what it was like to be kicked. And I can remember how hollow and empty it felt not to be kicked anymore, but to know it was only because I was getting away with it rather than because people gave a shit. I've grieved for that and I actually needed to grieve over that. And now I kind of go, okay, I'm not going to be that person. I'm going to make sure I look out for the people who need a bit of kindness and, you know, a bit of crack. I'm not going to be that fake person. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. Because that's what it was with people, was hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not I'm gonna have integrity even if people don't fucking like it. And frequently I, I make friends and then they fall away after a few months because essentially they're very disappointed that it turns out I'm not a bitch. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I like I'll mess on Facebook and shit and I'll rant and me- but no, I'm not a bully. <laughs> like I mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to be a bitch. It, a lot of female friends find that deeply disappointing. Mm-hmm. And that hurt me. That hurt me that the world is so yucky, but I kind of went, okay, but I can't possibly be the only good person in the world. And I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's many people who are much better than me. And I know that a lot of the world are our souls or are just not good enough and carry on with hypocrisy and are unkind. And that. But if I'm thinking this way, and I and I make my mistakes, obviously, but if I'm thinking this way of like really trying not to be an arsehole, try and look after people, including people who maybe aren't always great crack, because but maybe you need to be the bit of sunshine there. <laughs> maybe they're not able to make conversation. The fact that I'm just going about my day thinking that way means that other people are too. Yeah, and that makes me happy. Well,
0: that sounds almost religious, doesn't it, Don? But almost. you know, uh, you know, this is the problem. I think people. I'm, I'm finding, especially even the age gap between us. There's a lot of my friends coming out late fifties, mid fifties, just going, "What the fuck was that all about?" Disappointed, sad, unhappy, lonely. Uh, realizing, I think, with maturity comes a little bit of wisdom that you've been faking it for so long. I mean, I look back at some of my early days in advertising and I kind of go, I mean, I, I I, always had this kind of angry young man kind of in me, right, and didn't like anyone mm. getting badly treated in offices that I worked in or not being paid on time and all that kind of shit, like just that, just that kind of capitalist wank where somebody's able to sleep like a baby because they go in and they act the bollocks with other people in their job. And I pick on people who... Countishness. Who are not, yeah, general countishness. And a lot of people don't feel they've stood up for it, or that they've lived it, or they've been it. And when you can come out like, you know, one of the things I always say is, and I'm, I'm working on maybe a some sort of treatise on this is, you know, know when to stop working because work is unless you're really lucky, like we talked earlier, and you're doing a job where you really you know love it. Yeah. It's just bollocks. Work is a means to an end to getting out of work to do whatever: raise children, build a house, go on a holiday. But the amount of time we spend working thinking it's important and my career is important and the amount of money I yeah, get it's in not. the pecking order of a family or of my friends is important and I want to be a CEO or a president or a vice president or a senior vice president. All of that is absolute it's horseshit nonsense. And usually, as I said, you're trying to sell razor blades and maybe this will bring it back full circle in Russia and someone in Russia goes... I don't want any blacks in the ads. And you have to deal with that. And it's how you deal with that.
1: Yeah. But also, like... Like, if do you resign away- over that?
0: Which I didn't do. Should I have resigned over that? Should I have resigned because the leader... And I, I can guarantee you one thing. They may not be overtly saying it in memos. But P&G and probably Unilever and all the big companies who are now pulling out of Russia, you know, mm-hmm. are the ones that aren't. They believe in advertising that you don't put black people in ads in Russia. And there's an interesting debate you can have there. For example, uh, you know, would we we put Japanese people in ads in Ireland? Okay. To sell to the Irish. Okay. So that's just a neutral sort of thing. You know, it's not necessary. But like these people are racist towards black people. And I don't know the actual answer to that. Other than how grubby and in need of a shower. I felt after listening to that call. Yeah. Anyway, it is Global Happiness Day. We wish you all every happiness. Unless there's anything more you wanted to add, did you?
1: No, I don't think so. I thought
0: We got a little bit more positive towards the end. <laughs> I know, um, we
1: always say that we go too far. We go too far. We're either ranting and going, well, no, the yeah, part was the opposite. We were nice at the
0: beginning about at the end. Oh, so yeah, you yeah. never know what you're going to get on the point with Johnny B. We are going to leave you with a, a follow-up to the piece that we played um, by Doug Stanhope this was Doug Stanhope's apology for his piece about India I apologise to my Indian brethren if any of you were really offended by that I hope you took it in the spirit which it was intended
1: and I hope um, it brings some of you joy if you go oh Doug Stanhope I must look up his stuff and then you discover him and I'm so jealous because you've got all of his stuff fresh yeah. you have not it all to see and if it brings you joy you're welcome that's your gift today
0: he's an angry little prick Doug Stanhope but he kind of comes down on the right side of things more often than not and uh, he's funny And we need more funny in the world. And funny makes happy. We will see you next time.
2: Bye. Bye.
0: On the night of Saturday, May
3: 25th, I made wildly inappropriate stereotypes regarding Indian men that I thought were said in confidence. I hadn't noticed the cameras, the microphone, and the giant shrieking audience. Yet, Still, this does not excuse me promoting such a myopic denigration of a country wonderfully rich in heritage and humanity. I hope this apology will usher in a new era of understanding and open a dialogue that allows all of us to grow. And rape jokes are never funny. You cannot make jokes about rape because at least the rape culture the rape jokes are never funny. That's the thing. If you're a new comic in here and you're dealing with all that.